Jeff Rogers, and you're listening to the HPC Podcast. It's episode 41, HPC Podcast. Episode 41, boys. Back in the uh, Graham's living room. Yeah. Out yeah. of the studio. Yeah. Downgrading. Internet's yeah. a little little bit better here today. Um, we've got a guest, as you guys have heard, uh, Jeff Rogers. He's uh, uh, just a farmer just from a, Just a farmer from Rokenville. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Played a little bit of hockey in his day, I guess. Uh, San Jose, uh, Boston Bruins, Avalanche, Thrashers, and uh, the most important one, current Rokenville Tiger. Did I miss any, Jeff? No, I think you got them all covered there. I had a, well, a short stint there in uh, Minnesota, just long enough to buy a house, and they ran me out of town, so... Yeah, that's when I saw that uh, what you got left unprotected, and then uh, the, the the Thrashers picked you up, or how did that work? Yeah, I went to uh, Minnesota in the expansion draft. Um, went there, and at the time I was in Colorado, so I had a place in Colorado. So a uh, young family at the time, so I decided getting picked up in Minnesota, so I'm going to go there, buy a house, get everybody settled in. And uh, never even got the boxes unpacked, and I got picked up in the waiver draft by the Atlanta Thrashers, where my old coaches, uh, George Kingston, was the assistant coach there. So I came available to pick me up. So, yeah, I was kind of like a real estate tycoon there for a while. I had a place in Colorado, a place in Minnesota, and then rent a house in uh, Atlanta. Holy God. Yeah. What, yeah. So, I mean, I guess we're jumping ahead a little bit. That was in 2000s. I, I kind of wanted to, I, I want to get into some senior stuff too, but I, I, I wouldn't mind to touch on some NHL stuff first, if you don't mind. I mean, I guess it was a long time ago, but I mean, for a lot of us, I know me, myself, I was never uh, <laughs> that great, but I know Logie, he likes scrapping. I love scrapping. What, what's it like uh, being a guy playing on these teams in the 90s? You know, I don't know, like some pretty good hockey back then, fighting guys like Ty Domi and stuff like that. You know, I don't know if you can give us anything on that, but I would love to hear some stories on that. I know a lot of our listeners probably would too. But. Well, it was it was a totally different game. You know, like uh, in the you know eighties, nineties, um, that was just part of the game, and every team had a couple guys just like me, kind of you know, scrapped and fought their way through junior and able, able you know. Eat- eke out a career there in the NHL just by, you know, setting up your teammates, looking after things, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, so it was part of the game. Um, and there were some tough guys, believe me. And it was, it was a lot of pressure because, you know, like you say, you're going up against guys like McSorley and Grimson and Domi, uh, Brashear. So a lot of these guys for me, you were giving up, you know, quite a bit of weight and three or four inches. So you had to be on every night because if you made a mistake, you know, you're going to get hurt. But for me, it was a way that I could, I could stay in the NHL. Like all I ever want to do is from the time I was four years old, I wanted to play in the NHL and I didn't care what it took to get there. Uh, As a younger guy, you know, when I scored some goals, even in junior, you know, scored 30 plus goals in the last couple of seasons. So, you know, I had some skill, but I quickly realized that if I was going to make it at that level, this is kind of what I had to bring. 
Yeah, no doubt. That's well, yeah. Cause are you okay? So are you actually from Rokenville or Spy Hill or where's your farm closer to? Or like, cause you farm Spy Spy Hill. Okay, right. Yeah, okay. yeah. No. So what's it yeah, like? We live. Sorry, but no. Go ahead. No, we're at the farm. The family farm is about uh, two and a half miles outside of Spy Hill. Um, actually, uh, my boys are the fifth generation on that piece of land. So it's, uh, we've been around here a long time. So a lot of blood, sweat and tears went into it. Mixed operation, always had cows and grain. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of the history of the farm. That's yeah, that's good. So, I mean, <clears throat> I know you played a little bit, uh, junior Brandon, Brandon right? I get that. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Four years. Yeah. Four years in Brandon. What, like, what's it like? I mean, like for a kid, like you said, you four years old, you want to play. I mean, you, you're living in Spy Hill on a farm. You know, you, you go undrafted and then you, you get that call. Where'd you go to first? Was it San Jose? Well, actually, yeah. Like I went through the four years of junior, never got drafted. Um, you know, had a pretty good year in my 20-year-old year. So at the end of my 20-year-old year, uh, I was a free agent. So I could have either signed with San Jose or the Vancouver Canucks. They had the same deal on the table, same money, uh, everything. The only only thing was San Jose was not going to have a team the following season. It was going to be two years. Uh, but I kind of figured, you know, I wasn't going to make the NHL the next year anyways. And going to an expansion team, I'd have a you know a bit better chance of cracking the lineup. Uh, so they were looking for a place for me to play. So <laughs> they... Uh, they kind of said to me, you know, we know you're, you know, you can throw them and you, we want you to work on the finesse side of your game. So they said, we're going to send you to Tampa, Finland, the trial for a team in the Finnish elite league. And I was like, what? I didn't even know where Tampa, Finland was. So I didn't have a passport. Oh, so yeah, they send me, they send me over to Finland. Uh, and I got to be one of their imports, you know, and I don't know what they were thinking because, you know, usually their imports come over there and lead their team in scoring. And here I show up, you know, on the big ice and stuff. We go to a tournament in Russia. Uh, great life experience. Unbelievable. But, you know, I was not going to help that team uh, with points. So I got sent back and I had no idea where I was going. So I phoned the guys in San Jose and I said, you know what? It didn't work out. I'm back. Where do I go now? And they said, we're going to send you to Kansas City. They have a expansion team in the National Hockey League. So I got out the old roadmap, looked where Kansas City was, and I headed south and uh, jumped in my S-15 pickup truck and showed up in Kansas City. Yeah, I was going to say, would you jump in the old 7-3 and head south or what? <laughs> oh, I, well, I couldn't afford anything like that then. So oh, yeah, could, yeah. <laughs> that was the dream vehicle right there, that 7-3 diesel. Are you hauling your wife around with you at this point? You got a girl coming with you at all these places? You know what? No, you just you just kind of go and see what happens. Um, the guy I went with was uh, a guy I played junior with uh, from Verdon named Troy Frederick. Uh, we actually drove down together, uh, both made the team, got our first apartment. You know, we're uh, talking to the manager, we're getting things set up. And uh, so I said to the manager, I said, you got anywhere I could plug in my truck? And he looks at me like I got three heads. He says, why, you got an electric vehicle? And I said, I oh, realize then I guess it doesn't get that cold as it does here. So you don't even have a block heater. So it was quite the, it was quite the experience uh, Big Troy and I had that first year. Yeah, no doubt that would be just like a total, like, yeah, especially back in those days, right? Like, you I guess, yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think of shit like that. But you said you went to a tournament in Russia. Tell me about that tournament, like a weekend tournament. 
Yeah, it was well, actually about uh, five or six days. And uh, it was in Kiev. And, uh, you know, like we got in a day early. We flew into Moscow. We had a, uh, <laughs> we had about a 12 hour tra- train ride to Moscow ah. or to Kiev from Moscow. And uh, I don't know if you know much about the Finnish culture, but these guys like to have fun. <laughs> so we're on this train and <laughs> they're tipping up vodka bottles and there's air bubbles going through like you're chugging uh, some some water right so we're having a hell of a time and there's these uh russian girls that are working the train and uh, what do they do they wait for us all to fall asleep you know what i mean and then we all wake up and we've been robbed so <laughs> and we, you know we know who did it but how are you gonna prove it we got barely any money and we got a week to go in russia so it was uh it was off to one heck of a start <laughs> how the hockey go <laughs> hopefully better than that <laughs> I, it was a great experience and you know what you went there and you turned your clock back like 30 years like they were digging trenches along the streets with shovels uh, you know, they would trade you a, a bottle of vodka for the old t-shirts you were wearing, anything that American, like blue jeans, anything like that, they were just crazy about. Uh, we stayed in one of the nicer hotels in Kiev and our shower was just a garden hose coming out of the wall with a little basin on the floor, no shower curtain, no nothing. And that was one of the nicer hotels there. So it was a, it was an eye opener. You know what I mean? How the, how the rest of the world was still living. Oh, shit. Yeah, you're, you're itching to go back to San Jose at that point. <laughs> <laughs> well, at this, at this point, I'd never been to San Jose yet, right? So I, I signed with them. <laughs> but I was just... Be better than this. <laughs> they're trying to find a place for me to play. So I'm, you know, in Finland, and I'm in Russia, and I'm in Kansas City. <laughs> yeah. So mm-hmm. I finally leveled out in Kansas City. Well, that'd be, I mean, that'd be one benefit to it, though. You get to see a lot of the world and stuff like that playing that kind of hockey, right? Like... I, 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 oh. I don't know, but <laughs> I can't imagine that would be a fucking huge benefit. Like, you know, after or, that, you start wearing the wallet. Well, you know, with the chain on it. I don't know. Like, I, I don't, like a guy, like, you know, a guy, like, like, no, like, I know for me personally, like, if, if I was good at hockey, maybe that would have been a chance to see the world and stuff, right? Like, that's, 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 that's one of the, I guess, uh, benefits, know, benefits to, you know, you know, maybe, okay, yeah, you don't go straight to San Jose, but, I mean, maybe it was a kind of a blessing in disguise, I think, you know. I don't know if you know what I'm getting at. But. Going over to Russia and then finally landing in San Jose, did it really make you appreciate the, like, when you were there, were you like, holy shit, is this what, like, the big leagues are going to be like? And then you get to San Jose and say, like, okay, there's actual showerhead here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of knew San Jose would be a lot better. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. I, I no, I didn't get off the farm much, but I got off enough to know that much. Anyways, yeah. San Jose yeah. was going to be, and uh, it was pretty cool too. Like at that time, you know, the whole expansion thing, going to the California, uh, hockey was new. You know, people were cheering for offsides. Uh, it was just a whole different <laughs> excitement around it. That you know how you're used to playing junior hockey or whatever, and it's a pretty you know, tight crowd or staunch crowd and every mistake, it's, you know, kind of criticized we're here. Everything was just, they were just amazed to escape backwards. And hey. so it was a fun, a fun environment that way, which was good because we weren't a very good team. Like now with the expansion rules, you look what Seattle is doing. You look like Vegas is doing the San Jose Sharks. We're not doing that at all. 
You know what I mean? Like, I think we won 11 games even our second year. We went into Pittsburgh, and I remember one game, uh, we were losing 10 to nothing after the second period. And (laughs) it was was bad. Years back. (laughs) (laughs) We've been there. Been there. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so I got your... uh, your web or the web page up with your stats here. Is this right? You wore a letter your first full year in the NHL? Not my first year. No, um, my third year. The first year you played, like you were played some in the IHL and some in the NHL. And then the next year. Yeah. You were an assistant captain. Yeah. No, I was, I was a captain in Kansas city when I got called up. Okay. Uh, played that year, yeah, finished off the year in San Jose, and then I got sent back down to Kansas City for playoffs. Uh, we won the Turner Cup, and then I went uh, to San Jose the following year and ended up uh, getting a letter. Um, so, yeah, no, that, that was pretty cool. You know what I mean? Well, uh, and that was part of it. guy that new to the league to, you know, get a letter on the chest. Well, you're missing the point here. Like, his first full year in the league, he had 253 pims. Screw the letter. We got to hear both these pins. <laughs> it was, you know what? It was, it was exciting because, you know, all these guys that you've seen on TV, like you, you were lining up against, you know what I mean? Like there's Bob Probert, you know, you're lining up against him. There's John Cordick and all these guys that, uh, you know, you watch and all of a sudden you're playing against them and your lines getting matched up against them. And, Part of, you know, coming in, those are the guys that you had to measure yourself against. If you wanted to prove yourself, those are the guys that, that you went after. And I remember, I think my third game or fourth game, I got in a fight in Quebec City, and I fought a guy named Herb Raglan and uh, did well against him. So sure enough, John Cordick comes over the bench next shift, and he wants to go. So we have a, you know, a decent fight, but not real good. Um, so next time they come back to San Jose, it was the first game, uh, that my parents had come to, to see me play live <laughs> and sure enough, it's on like, uh, me and John Cordick and I are standing at center ice and it's, it's one heck of a fight. Um, you know, I end up breaking my hand, my hand swollen, my face is swollen and our, uh, our general manager was Jack Ferreira at the time. And I'll never forget, he comes flying in after the period and he goes, welcome to the heavyweight division, kid. He was just pumped. Fuck yeah. I, yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah, after the game, I go out there and my hands go swollen, the face is swollen, and everybody's all pumped because I just had this fight with John Cordick and my mom and dad are looking at me like, wow, is this really what you want to do? Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Peace, so, peace bills. you know, you were still fairly young coming into that, were there any guys that would look at you and go like, I'm not scrapping you or, you know, you finally got him the goal and they kind of gave you that respect. Like, you know, that was pretty good. Yeah. Especially the older guys, a lot of them, cause they knew what you were doing. Like I was there to make a name for myself. And a lot of them, as you get older, you're going to fight on your terms, you know? So sometimes it, it took a little extra convincing to, to make it happen. But you know what, back then, guys were, were pretty eager because they knew that was their job. It was job security. Um, and, you know, they wanted to keep their jobs too. So everybody was pretty willing. Yeah. Were you on, um, were you on the team? Uh, I was going to ask about this. Um, which one was it? The Colorado, uh, cause I know you spent some time in Colorado, the Colorado Detroit brawl in 97 when uh, Juan Vernon fought. Were you on that team? 
I was there for the second one. Like I missed like the the one in '96. I wasn't there for. Okay. And then my first game in Detroit with Colorado. Yeah. Um, I'm starting on a line with Peter Forsberg and Cole Demieux. And they, <laughs> <laughs> shocker, why am I on the ice? Right? You ever heard and, of him? <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so Mark Crawford lines puts me out there with Lemieux because they had all that shenanigans going across, and I'm lined up against Darren McCarty, and I know what I'm supposed to do. And before they drop the puck, Lemieux comes over and he taps me on the on the butt and he says, "Switch sides." So I'm kind of going like, uh, I, I'm supposed to be out here to fight this guy. And now Claude's coming over and telling me to switch sides because, you know, he's going to have to make it stand for himself, which is the right thing to do. So I, I switch sides and him and McCarty fight. And I go back to the bench and Mark Crawford's kind of like, what the hell are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, what was I supposed to do, coach? Like, it's Claude to me. He told me to switch sides. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of confused right now. <laughs> was I supposed to go and tell Peter Forsberg to get the hell off? I'm taking a draw now. Or what? <laughs> uh, but it was, you know, those games were against Detroit. It was, that was awesome. Like, that was a rivalry that was, and the, the hatred between those two teams was yeah. real like it wasn't manufactured there was no guys you know hitting each other in front of the net and kind of winking at each other or smiling like it was legitimate and that was just it was so cool to be a part of yeah yeah it'd be a lot of trash talk and shit like that i can imagine between benches like you see on tv nowadays but i can like back then and yeah the shit you'd get away with too is just wild what about uh your year 92 93 in san jose wearing an a it's your highest points in the NHL total, I believe, that year. Lots of pims, too. Year. Was that your first? Did we reflect on that yeah. already? Yeah. No? no, I didn't think we did. That was in San Jose. With, uh, that, I think that was my second year there where I had yeah. the, the points. Yeah. Um, um, George Kingston was my coach. And you know what? I was lucky because George was a good Saskatchewan guy. And he believed in me. You know, And he gave me a chance. And I remember when, he, when they first called me up. He says, you know what? You're not here just to fight. Like, we want you to play. We want you to make yourself into a player. And that year, you know, he gave me every opportunity. I was on the power play. And uh, believe it or not, in back-to-back games against Calgary at Edmonton, I had seven points in two games. <laughs> Playing on the power play with, uh, yeah, with Johan Garpenloff and Kelly Kissio uh, up front and Sandus Ozelinch and Doug Wilson on the back end. And uh, Doug, he had that slap shot, and he'd be ripping them off my shin pads or off my ass and putting them in the net. I didn't care as long as they went in. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, George really gave me a chance. And then uh, he got fired at the end of the year and, uh, you know, didn't quite get that power play time ever again. But it was always – you needed somebody to believe in you and give you that kind of really establish yourself in the league. Yeah. Oh, for sure. You guys had a really big jump there, eh? Between that year and the next year and the standings and the results. Uh, it was actually, actually at that time, it was the biggest turnaround in NHL history. Yeah. Um, you know, point-wise. And uh, they brought in Kevin Constantine as a coach. And over the summer, they brought in Igor Larryarnoff and uh, Sergei Makarov. Uh, you know, two guys that uh, getting up there, but man, just still in the prime in their career and could play. And at the start of the year, like Igor and Sergey are very proud guys. They're very proud people. And Kevin, our coach, he wanted everybody to play the same way. 
He wanted it very strict up and down. You get over the red line, you dump the puck in, you chase. And Igor and Sergey refused to do that. You know, they were going to keep cycling back, regrouping the neutral zone. And it kind of came to a standpoint where either Kevin was going to have to go or Igor and Sergey were going to have to go. And I'm not sure what happened, but there's a conversation held with management. And it was determined that Sergey and Igor can do whatever they want. And the rest of us were going to play exactly how we wanted. So <laughs> we had, we had a, <laughs> which, and this is true. We had a five man unit. We yeah. had uh, Sergey Makarov, Igor Larionov, Johan Garpenloff as forwards, Sandus Ozelinch, and Jeff Norton on the back end. And they would go out there and play like the Russian five, regroup, never turn the puck over, never dump it in, and do whatever they want. You know, and then the rest of us, it was a left wing lock, like, Boom, you were like four inches out of position. You were coming off the ice, yeah. but it worked. You know, we, we made the playoffs, biggest turnaround in NHL history, you know, ended up beating the Detroit Red Wings in seven games. We were eight. They were first. It was just, uh, you know, unbelievable. Went on to the next round, playing against the Toronto Maple Leafs, went to game seven. You know, we were actually up in that series, had a chance to win the series in game six. Uh, Santa Solzlund hit the crossbar. Then we go to Toronto for game seven and Wendell Clark takes over the game and kind of ends our Cinderella run. But so yeah, you know, like I, I've never heard of that. So life. you're saying the Leafs went to the second round that year? <laughs> yeah, they, they did. <laughs> they actually, uh, that was the year they went against up against LA and uh, McSorley and Wendell Clark had that big tilt at, at Santa Rice. You've probably seen those, but that was, that was that year. And then the Leafs, got beat by the, the Kings and the Kings were on to play Montreal in the finals. Yeah. So the high stick year because it's better known to Leaf fans. The high yeah. Stick year, yeah. Yep. Yeah. You got any good stories of Artie Urbe? I see he was your goalie all those years in the Oh my God, what a piece of work this guy was. Like he <laughs> what what an what an awesome man though. Like just he was uh for a goaltender back then, he was way ahead of his time. Like he ran marathons, he lifted weights, um, but he just loved his old equipment and his equipment was falling apart. Like, and he had to fix it himself. So we were against Toronto in the playoffs and like, I'm there like four hours before the game, you know, I'm getting ready. And, you know, Arthur, he shows up at the game. It's like, six minutes before warm-up and he's in with a needle and thread he's sewing his pads up to you know put them together true story you know what i mean and <laughs> but he just had that demeanor about him and uh well, they called him the wall that's where he got the the nickname the wall and uh he just was unbelievable for us too you know so you threw him into that mix yeah and uh it was a pretty unique group pretty diverse group all that time i'm 30 and one of my first NHL memories of watching Stanley Cup playoffs is him on his run with Carolina in what was that oh oh two yeah when they lost to Detroit and then it's uh yeah always remembered him after that the gray horse hair pads yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and those things were like old like I said like he was repairing them all the time his glove was falling apart and it was yeah those pads look so heavy. And they looked like they would swallow up every bit of moisture. They would yeah, just yeah. end up being 50 pounds at the end of the game. <laughs> yeah. Was it? Good rebound control. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, just swallow it up and do what you gotta do. Yeah, right. What was it like like plan for all these different teams, you know, and, and like in the show and like you know, move like you gotta move, you got a whole new set, a whole new group of guys, you know, new city just adapting and and becoming a part of it. Because all these teams you played on, you're also wearing letters on them. So I mean, obviously you're a great room guy. I mean, what's it like adapting to these new teams and moving from team to team and coming back to, you know, I think, you know, did you finish off in uh, San Jose or no, no, just Atlanta. Atlanta. Okay. But like, that's what I mean. Though, yeah. you know, all these teams and you wear letters, like what's that, what's that like just adapting, you know, what do you mean? You know, actually, (laughs) it's pretty simple. Like, uh, the easiest thing for a guy is you walk into a new dress room. Instantly, you've got 20 new friends. Yeah. Right? Until until you prove that you're not a good guy or an asshole, whatever, you walk in there and you instantly have 20 new friends. And we're all going through the same thing together. We all kind of got the same goal. Uh, We're all leaning on each other. We know we need each other if we're going to have success. So actually, you know what I mean? It just and and I I love being on a team. I did. I, I love playing hockey. I love being on a team. I love being a good teammate. So hanging out with the guys and you know making friends and going on the road was was awesome. I, it was my favorite part of the game. Just yeah. being around the guys and showing up and going to work and hanging out in your underwear and telling jokes was you know the the best part of the game is is just being on a team. Yeah, that that reigns. That reigns. <laughs> That obviously ranges but, through pro all the way down, right? Because like a lot of senior guys, that's that's why I played, <laughs> you know. Like, but yeah, no, that's 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 probably a great answer to that. Really. That's, so, what was it like having to adapt to all those new teams? Like nowadays, everybody's got cell phones and social medias. Like you didn't. There was no like a group chats back then, was there? Like, how did you guys? Hey, we're going out for dinner. Was it in the dressing room, like six o'clock? Be there, or you're going hungry? <laughs> yeah, meet up. Well, you know, it was. It, that's a great point because I think back to now, and I think, like, I honestly think I played at the most absolute perfect time to play. 100%. You know what I mean? Like, you know, the the game was how it was. There was a need for a guy like me. Uh, you know, the money was getting a bit better. Um, and just, it was still a lot of just good small town farm boys they were playing on these teams. So to your point, like we'd fly into a city, um, you know, we get in, get off the, the airplane, get on the bus, and then we'd be driving to the hotel and they'd say, okay, whoever wants to meet in the lobby in, in 20 minutes, you know what I mean? So usually we'd have a little spot we'd go to, uh, you'd go grab a couple of beer and appetizer or whatever, uh, before you'd have the group. The guys that wanted to come would come hang out and then, uh, you know, do that bullshit for a bit, talk some hockey, go for a bite to eat, and then, you know, head back to the room. But it was just, you're right, there was no group chat, there was no text. It was just, you know, hey, whoever wants to come, we're meeting, they'll put your bags in the room, we're meeting in the lobby in 20 minutes. And you weren't flying private back then. It was all fucking everybody sitting middle rows on the airplanes. Well, you know what? I was lucky. Like, uh, when I first started, playing san jose we had our own plane and then uh for whatever reason something happened so we flew the last half of the year uh commercial but the whole rest of my career we we flew our own planes like we had our own plane so we had charters um which which was awesome because you know what i mean like 
being on the road playing in St. Louis and then you can't fall asleep after a game anyways, right? So what do you do? You end up going out and then you and then you gotta get up at five thirty to go to the airport and you're sitting in the airport for two hours and you know, and then you're sitting with, between two old ladies on the plane and then you gotta get off and go practice that afternoon. You know, it just made travel so much nicer having your own plane. You'd play the game, you fly out that night, you get in the whole next city, whatever you know, one thirty, two in the morning, by then you're kind of ready to fall asleep. You wound down a bit. So you end up getting a bit more rest. So you ever get, was, like, no, no, you ever get a guy behind you with a Sharpie handing you a piece of paper, you know, on the plane trying to get an autograph or anything like that? Oh yeah. We had that all the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the best thing was when we, you'd fly home on the last game of a trip, right? Yeah. So the the guys, the last night on out river, so you go out and have a bit of fun and hang out yeah. with the guys, and and you, some guys are pretty tired the next flight, right? So, yeah, yeah, you know they fall fall asleep on the plane and they end up with like a, a mountain of shaving cream on their head, you know, and, or they get their tie cut or somebody to hide their shoes, so they're walking off this commercial flight and they don't even know it. They got you know shaving cream all the way up on top of their head and everybody's staring at them. They have no idea why, and you know just the pranks the guys used to pull was, was awesome too. I remember we were in a, uh, an airport and, uh, we were sitting at our gate and uh, a guy had a duffel bag. So one guy was standing behind and he was making little dog whimpering noises, right? Like there was a dog in a duffel bag. So then the one guy had come up and he kicked the bag and then he started making yelping noises. Like there was a dog in there and people were running over trying to save this dog. They think he's getting beat up in this duffel bag or, You'd put a $5 bill on some fishing line and throw it out. People bend over to pick it up and guys are yanking it out from underneath them. And then 20 guys are laughing at them. And then old ladies are swearing at you. It was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. No doubt. Wow. Was there, was there any times on the road, like you said, you're flying home your last game and you like talk to the management and you're like, Hey, the boys are staying out a little later today, postpone that flight, you know, since you were wearing Uh, out of a leader. Well, we could never get the flight postponed, but we just stayed out late. You know what I mean? We just, <laughs> you just get them to lift curfew or say, hey, you know, all right, if we, you know, guys are going to go out tonight, we don't play for a couple of days, can we, you know, maybe eliminate curfew? And uh, under the right circumstances, they would. They were pretty good. They knew it was a long season and a lot of pressure and stuff. So let the boys unwind a bit. They were, they were pretty good about that. I see you're wearing a LA, uh, LA shirt there. Your, your boy's a trainer out there, isn't he? John? Yes. Yeah. John, he's the, uh, uh, one of the strength coaches with the LA Kings right now. Okay. So is he, is he on, is, is he on the bench in Edmonton or what, or is he just, uh, like what's happening? Like what, what does he, what does he get to do for them? Like, like well, when on the road, he'll, uh, on an off day, he'll work the guys out, um, put them through the paces game day. You know, he'll help everything get organized. He'll help stretch guys out before the game, make sure everybody's ready. Um, and then he's not on the bench, but he'll make sure everything's prepared for the guys when they, they come in between periods, yeah. uh, get them looked after there. And then, you know, if guys got to work out after or need some physio or whatever, he'll help with that with the guys. So it's it's pretty cool. Like, no uh, you know, we went down to L.A. to see him the last couple of years. The L.A. Kings workout facility is unbelievable they actually have a retractable roof uh, in their weight room so they can you know pull back the roof and they have all these garage doors that open so they get the fresh california air coming through there 
they got a they got their own own kitchen right in the dressing room. So those guys will show up there in the morning, order whatever they want for food, then practice, work out, get whatever they want again for lunch before they leave. You know, uh, steak, chicken, you name it. Like these guys get looked after like kings. Like we never even got bagels for pregames for God's sakes, and these guys are getting steak whenever they want. It's so it, it's crazy. So you're saying how far? The dressing room uh, game has come a long way since you've been in the show is what you're saying then? Or what was it like for you when you were playing, like, room-wise? You know what? It, it, it was good. You know what I mean? You got looked after. Um, you didn't have to do much. There's guys doing stuff for you. We had trainers. We had guys, you know, massage therapists, all that stuff to look after you. But they've just, like I said now, they've taken it to a, to a whole different level. And the way they train um, – like the LA Kings, they have uh, these little pods they put in, the, in their shoulder pads. And then my boy, John, I go out and watch practice. He's got an iPad and it's got like live streaming on the screen of the iPad. So it tracks everybody. It tracks their speed, their heart rate, uh, you know, calories. They can actually tell if uh, they're using their right leg more than their left leg, if they're coming off uh, an injury. Um uh, and they can they track this for the whole day, the week, the month, the year, so they can tell you exactly how hard the guys have worked, how much energy they've uh, used. It's just to a whole different level that a, is mind boggling. Wow, wow, <laughs> that is that is wild. The technology behind these. Yeah. Yeah. When when he played, it was like, "How you doing? Good, good." <laughs> Here's a couple of Tylenols. <laughs> he played yeah. it called the Cal Palace, so I mean, it couldn't have been that. <laughs> <laughs> One question while I have a chance here. Um, was there ever a time in your career that the game became more like a business and, and it wasn't as fun? Um, I don't it never the business part of it never came bothered me. Um, because I, I knew that was just part of it. I think the thing that at the end you were just hurt all the time. That that was the toughest part. Like it was a full-time job just to get your body so that you could play the game just to get it loosened up enough because it's been banged up enough and uh for me it was all through my neck and my back you know from the way i played and maybe being a bit undersized but it it took all day you know just to get loose enough uh to, to play a game so probably the part i enjoyed most about when i did play was just not being hurt all the time so that that was probably the toughest part there's never times when you're younger try to get into the lineup where someone else gets the nod instead of you and you're just chomping at the bit to get out there kind of thing. You maybe weren't even when you're in junior, that sort of thing. You know, for guys like me, it happened all the time because there was all these guys that, and you know, the deal, they got all the skill in the world, you know, and maybe you don't have the drive or maybe they're, you know, soft as baby shit. But, you know, the coach, see, every coach thinks they can get the most out of this guy, right? So they bring those guys in and all of a sudden you go back down to the third or fourth line while this guy gets, you know, his shot and then it's, and he just doesn't do what he's supposed to do. So the toughest part is you just got to keep believing in yourself, keep working hard and keep knowing you're going to get your chance. And, and that's probably the the biggest part for me that was frustrating is you know you show up every day and you'd work your butt off whether it's practice or games and these guys they bring in guys that were you know were they more skilled yes did they care did they have heart 
no, but every coach thought they could kind of somewhat get it out of them. So for me, that was probably one of the more frustrating parts that you just had to keep, keep believing in yourself. And, you know, I talked to a couple of the guys I played with that they're scouting now and they said, that's the biggest thing. You just got to wear people out. You just got to keep doing what you do till they, you know, they can't not notice you anymore. And I think that's the biggest thing for kids and parents to realize is it, it's a lot of work. And you just got to keep doing it over and over again because there's only, you know, maybe 0.03% of the guys that are that good where they can just put on their skates, go out there, and, and they're that dominant. The rest of the guys have to pay a price and have to work. Well, and that's that's kind of the attitude, I think, that speaks to wearing a letter all those years, right? Like just that mentality of that, you know, I'll get my shot, I'm here. You know, that, that, to me, that's, that's a leader in its own, in its own sense, right? Like just having, going through it with that kind of mentality, I think is huge for guys. I think a lot of SAS guys can relate to that. Like just showing up to work every day, showing up to work on the farm every day, showing up to work at hockey every day and just showing up every day. And eventually that's just what pulls through is the guy that shows up every day. Yeah. And you're right about Saskatchewan. Like, you look at uh, the area I, I grew up in, uh, there is myself in Spy Hill. There is Kelly Buckberger in Langeburg, which is 20 miles away. There is Theron Fleury in Russell, which is like 30 miles away. At at one time, all three of us were captains of NHL teams at the same time. And we all live within a 30-mile radius of small town Saskatchewan. Yeah. Yeah, it says a lot just about maybe the mentality and the, the attitude, right? The way the kids are brought up character yeah exactly. that's called <clears throat> screwing up when you're young and going out to the barn and getting your ass kicked yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah he slept in one time and you heard about it <laughs> I, 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 i'm sorry oh. i yeah, uh, know like honestly like playing hockey is the, the easiest thing we did as kids you know what i mean like uh I, I remember going to play junior and we practiced for two hours and you're done for the day and i'm like Really? This is it? Like, I, this is all you got to do today? Come on. What did you do for the rest of the day on those days? <laughs> well, the nice thing about playing junior and back then with no cell phones, we just hang out with our buddies. Yeah. Like, we, right, you talk about group chats and stuff. Now, we have a group chat of about 25 guys that I played junior with with the Brandon Weekings. And, you know, some of those guys are still, you know, some of my best friends. And if I ever needed something i know it could count on any one of those guys in a heartbeat yeah that's awesome speaking of junior and the brandon Wheat kings <laughs> you played for kind of a a legend while you were there you got anything on doug Sauter that you want to share Must oh doug yeah Mustache. oh man <laughs> he, he was awesome like like doug was he was old school and you know what i mean he wasn't scared to tell you exactly what he thought he didn't care if he hurt your feelings you know he but a lot of times and sometimes it's a little bit crude but <laughs> he got to the point and you know i, I credit doug Sauter with one of the best pieces of advice ever given by anybody um you know i never got drafted i was going i got a trial to the minnesota north stars camp after my 19 year old year and uh i'm going off to Minnesota's camp. I went to Brandon Weekings camp for a bit. Um, and right before I leave, Doug calls me in the office and he goes, Audie, hey, it's awesome. You're getting this tryout with the Minnesota North Stars, but you know what? Nobody knows who you are. He says, You're not drafted. You don't got a contract. 
you're going there as a nobody. He says, if you're serious about this, you go out there and you make them write your name down every time you're on the ice. Yeah. And so I, I left, I went to Winnipeg, got on my first ever plane ride, uh, flew into <laughs> Kalamazoo, Michigan for, you know, Minnesota North Stars camp. And the whole time, you know, you're nervous as heck and I'm thinking, write my name down, write my name down. So first scrimmage, I'm playing against a guy named Basil McCray. And, you know, he was our captain the year before, had 300 penalty minutes. And uh, sure enough, first face off, I go out there, I'm lined up against Basil McCray. They dropped the puck and I two hand him right across the back of the legs. And I said, we're going. <laughs> so, you know, he looks at me like, man, I just got off my summer break. What are you doing, kid? So, <laughs> so he drops the gloves. We had a bit of a fight. And then <laughs> we go off and then he comes off our next shift and he's mad. Like he, he's full blown mad. So he comes right at me. So we, we, we fight again and we line up for the face off. We fight again. So we we fought three times. And we're both standing there with our, they didn't even have linesmen out there. The players are holding us apart and no gloves on, just stand there almost out of breath. And he goes, you want to make this team kid fight me again? So we fought four times. <laughs> and the coach at the time was Pierre Page. And he's standing at the top of the rink and he comes flying down, screaming, I don't know, half English, half French. I couldn't <laughs> understand what he was saying, but he kicks us off the ice. Like he'd seen enough. So he kicks both of us off the ice. And, you know, when you fight somebody four times, you're going to have some, you know, bruises and stitches. Yeah. So what do they do? They throw us in the same room to get stitched up. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm dead. This is how it all ends right here. You know what I mean? but, <laughs> but but Bowser was good. He knew exactly what I was doing and trying to do. He didn't appreciate it. He didn't think crazy about it. Yeah. But, you know, he, he knew what I was trying to do and just kind of part of it. Yeah. But I attribute that all to... Doug Sauter gave me that advice before I left. You guys sit in the room together and just like grab open a couple beers? And... You know what? We, we kind of bullshitted a little bit. We were still obviously a bit heated up. <laughs> but the one thing I, I do remember, uh, I was sitting in the lobby like two days later. Uh, and a bunch him and a bunch of the veterans were going out for supper. And uh, he seen me in the lobby by myself. And he stopped and asked if I wanted to come out and join them for supper. Um, and, you know, I, I had some plans and stuff. I didn't. But. You know, I mean, that was kind of an eye opener too. Here's a guy; he didn't have to do that, and yeah. didn't want to see a guy, see a young guy sitting there by himself. So he invited me out. So yeah, yeah. There's definitely a respect there. End of the day, it's potential teammates, right? Like, uh, to kind of go off that one, like that's you know your introduction to hey, this is a this is a veteran. Who was the one rookie or a couple of rookies that you remember? You know, looking at saying, "Come on, kid," you know, kind of tag along. Um, I think probably the one guy, another Saskatchewan kid was Darcy Hortichuk, uh, from Camsack. You know, he, he might've been as much of a farm boy as me when he, when he came in, you know what I mean? So, you know, and, uh, kind of played the same role. So, you know, he's definitely a guy that, um, you know, I kind of wanted to help look out for and help along a bit. And then, uh, with the son of a gun, as soon as he gets traded, he wanted to fight the first time we played against each other and cut me great <laughs> stitches. So like, <laughs> Thanks a lot, Darcy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no friends, eh? No friends on the ice. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, job to do. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I saw, I, I read somewhere. I was doing a little bit of homework, but you did some color commentating preseason uh, game with Atlanta, and it was kind of like an on-air tryout. And then uh, I don't know if it was after you're done playing hockey, you stayed down there with Atlanta AM radio station six eighty, the fan, and you did some color commentating. Is this all true? For two years, it is. Some radio experience. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, I, uh, I came home, um, you know, did some farming and stuff and, you know, went through some changes or whatever in my life and, um, decided I was going to get back in hockey. And, uh, so I made some phone calls, didn't quite know what I was going to do. And then I got this, uh, offer to, uh, uh, come try out for the Atlanta Thrashers, you know, color analyst on the radio. Yeah. Um, so I did it, ended up getting the job, did it for two years. And it was, uh, it was an awesome job. Like you got to travel around with the team, um, you know, same routine you had as a player, got to go on the road, you got involved in the games, you know, doing the color, um, same routine, like I said. And awesome. the great thing about it, it was doing it in Atlanta and nobody was listening anyway. So if you screwed up, <laughs> it wasn't a big deal, right? Yeah, yeah. Fuck, that's wild. That's cool. <laughs> oh, I, I, yeah, I just wanted to ask about that. And then I also I, – I don't know if these still stand. I wanted to ask. Um, Sharks all-time leader in penalty minutes with 1,001. Avs all-time leader in fighting majors with 73. And Thrashers slash Jets single-season leader in PIMS set in 2000-2001. Are all those still true? Um, I know the most majors and I have uh, a guy from Binsgarth, Manitoba beat me, Cody McLeod. Oh, yeah, at least he's um, a boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he he beat that one. I think I think, yeah, still uh Sharks all time leader. Uh the Atlanta one, I'm yeah, unless Eric Bolton beat it after I was there because he he did a lot of scrapping and stuff too. So yeah. but yeah. Nice. Yeah, one well, question I have: you you had mentioned the best part was hanging out with the boys and your gitch, drinking beers afterwards. Who were the top three guys that were the last guys in the room that were just? It was you guys got off the ice four hours ago and you're still hanging out <laughs> there in the room because I know the guys here are the guys who were there in their gitch four hours after that. <laughs> we were those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like that's us. That's how the podcast started. Was yeah, hey, yeah. Well, we we couldn't really hang out in the room and do that. You know what I mean? Like you, the you couldn't have beer in the room. That was the one thing. We were allowed to have a you know when I first played, you could have a couple beers on the plane and stuff. But drinking in the room was never really a thing. But it would it would be leaving after. Um, you know, I got some uh, favorite teammates and uh, Sean Donovan as a guy that I played with on on three different teams and uh you know just a guy that loved hanging out with uh whether it's just family wise or drinking beer or whatever just one of my all-time favorites uh adam deadmarsh uh jason moore uh from delray i played with the sharks the guy we did a ton of hunting together when, when i was playing um you know chris tamer you know the list goes on ray ferraro uh was a great teammate he was an older guy we were both in atlanta there and you know, like great guys, but just a terrible team. But, you know, guys like that made it fun, right? Oh, yeah. uh, playing playing three on three after all that stuff. So just so many great guys that you just, you really got to know. And it was just, it, it just, you know, really made it. Are you, are you still, are you still part of uh, San Jose, like alum wise and like still involved with them at all? You know what? The last thing I did with them is, um, they actually flew me down. They had a a year there where they kind of had guys come in and, and drop the ceremonial ceremonial first puck or whatever. So uh, they flew me down. Did that a few years ago. Uh, they have a fantasy camp. I've been down. They did that like probably four or five times. I uh, go down and skate. Uh, kind of a fantasy uh, for camp 
for the fans and stuff and do some skating, do some playing and interact again. So that that's pretty cool. It's pretty special to be able to do stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no doubt. That would be neat. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if you guys want to keep going on NHL or jump into senior. If you want to throw anybody uh, that we might know under the bus real quick before we jump into senior, but <laughs> got any good stories, but I, if not, I, I had quite a few uh, questions about the Sask East League too, and and I guess congrats by the way on making it to the final against Theodore, right? It was. Yeah, yeah, no, we've we've battled against Theodore. We've we've met in the finals uh, four times in a row, and uh, you know we squeaked out the previous three, um, and then met him again here for the fourth time and uh, lost in in overtime in game four. Another you know, great series. So it's, uh, no, it's been good. It's still senior hockey in Saskatchewan, as you guys know, is, is awesome. It, it's competitive. Uh, guys get into it. The towns get into it, the players, and there, there's some pretty damn good hockey in this province right now. Well, it's very alive and well right now. That, that is for sure. Um, how many teams are in the Sask East? I had it pulled up here, but I, you may oh, as it's well still just... here. Don't worry. I just, <laughs> It's two, div- different it's two divisions over there, right? Well, no, we, we didn't. We went with one division this year. Okay. We started out with 10 teams, and then we uh, ended up uh, losing one at the start, so we had nine teams. Oh, right. And right. it's, yeah, Whitewood um, ended up you know, not playing after the first couple games. But, you know, for us, it's it covers quite a wide range. Like, it went kind of north. Uh, we've got, you know, Theodore, and then we got Ituna. Uh, Kenora, Grandview, Swan River, um, you know, then Langerberg, Wapella, this area. So it's so what it, would be some travel like closest for you would be Langerberg, right? That's about thirty minutes, right? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, about thirty minutes. Um, you know, Wapella is you know is, is pretty close, but uh, there's some travel like Swan River's two hours and forty five minutes, Grandview's two hours, uh, Ituna's two hours and fifteen minutes. So it's you do some traveling in this league, and it's kind of tough because a lot of our guys are working shift. You know, with the mines, a lot of our guys are at the potash mines, and it's it's shift and it's early mornings, and you know, we don't know what kind of schedule they're working. Guys coming off night, so it's it's a huge commitment for our guys to play. Yeah. Why did uh, maybe you don't know the answer to this, but like forever, Rokenville was in the triangle, and then they did you the, know why they switched over? Did the triangle? Uh, did the triangle? Did they? fold that league and then make it a different league or what happened there? Cause I, that's what I, yeah. Mean. So, yeah. So what happened is a triangle league disbanded and then started up as the Southeast league. Yeah. Oh, okay. And that was, so it was a certain team or something I thought, but there is some stuff that went on that yeah. was done. Right. And then I really didn't want to get into that. No, but no. It was just, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. So it, yeah. So the, the triangle league, disbanded and then the southeast you know hockey league uh started up and it brought in some some different teams when it started up so and now it's kind of a you know alive and well and we're looking at hopefully expanding uh this year again getting some more teams involved so yeah it's been good you got you got it you must be well you played brokenville what 11 years so what's it what was it like coming out of the NHL. I know. I, I swear. I think you took what a year off, two years two off, years. and then you go. You, you, you freaking you go from because I know what like 
you get the junior guys coming out and they come and play senior and every team wants them and they're throwing all kinds of dollar bills at them and all this was, was that a thing back then? Or did you, I know for a hometown guy, of course you're going to, oh, I got to go to Ropenville. It's kind of whatever, but was there offers on the table from teams back then? Like was senior hockey is like it is now? Well, you know, a lot of teams phoned. Um, and that never really got into talking money because I, I wasn't going to play hockey, senior hockey for money. I just wanted to play. Right. And, um, so, so where I moved, uh, my boys were going to school in Rokenville and I just figured it'd be a fit. Cause I could have, like, I was close to Langerberg too. And, you know, I went to high school there and played some minor hockey there. So it was kind of between the two, but I ended up, I ended up going to Rokenville. And for me, the whole thing playing senior hockey is. I just wanted to play hockey again. Like I, I was playing hockey in the NHL, but I knew my role. I, I knew what I did, yeah. but you know what? I wanted to end playing hockey. I wanted to be, if there's a power play, I wanted to be on it. If it was the last minute of a game and we're up or down by a goal, I want to be on the ice and play because you know what? I still loved hockey and I wanted to finish playing hockey the way I remembered it. Just being part of it and being into it and not that I wasn't before, but you guys know what I mean. Like, oh, that's a it great just, fucking I, yeah. oh, you know what I mean? That That's what I wanted. I wanted to end playing hockey you know, like that. And, and, it's, and, and it's still going actually. Yeah. It's no, funny. Yeah. It's funny. You mentioned that. Um, like I know highest I ever played is junior B, but uh, we've talked about this before with, you know, other guys that we've had play for, our team in Mydale that played pro of various levels. And a lot of them ended up having similar roles to you by the time they got to wherever they're, whether it was AHL or Europe or something like that. And I, we've talked about how it seems like there's an adjustment coming back. Like they're the guys show up and they're, I mean, they're clearly got way more tools and skills than all the rest of us plugs. But like, <laughs> I remember one guy, he wasn't used to carrying the puck. Like he's looking for passes. It's like, dude, just skate it all the way to the other end and then pass it to us. Like, no way to pass <laughs> you're the best skater. You're the best stick outer. Quit trying to pass it. <laughs> Was there an adjustment at all? Something like that? <laughs> well, yeah, I had to get used to playing that much again. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it was just, you're yeah, actually you're going on. But, yeah. <laughs> but, and you know what? Like when I started started playing i was 33 is when i retired so my i played a couple of senior games i think when i was 15 and then took like a 18 year break and then came back and played at uh, 33 and that's when my senior career started you know what i mean so it was and, and like i said it was good. down yeah. yeah yeah and it was and it was good because you know like most senior hockey teams um it, it's a team that likes to have some fun right and they they play hockey but they they go hard after the game and they enjoy it and rokenville was so much like that you know we had such a good group of guys and it was just fun i couldn't wait for the weekends to come you know what i mean like i was i was coaching my boys hockey at the same time playing senior hockey so you know you were living at the rinks and it was just the old saying there's never such thing as a bad day at the rink and it was just awesome to be able to come home and, and do that. Yeah, that is awesome. That's that's what it's all about. So how like uh playing in Rokenville for you while you, like I know you're still playing, we'll get into that, but like in the glory days there, right when you come back, was there ships and uh 
provincial ships or vinyls or like that you went on road trip wise, you know? Like where we've had success, like you're talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Roken, like Rokenville itself, while you're playing, or like good parties, or like you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting. Yeah. Like provincial ship wise, like how many did you get? Some how many titles and like what were the parties like back then? Well, we the the first league title we won. It had been I don't know how many years since Rokenville had won the championship. And it, it was huge. I think that was 2000 and what was that? 2006 we won that or five. Yeah, Anyways, you've, been play, so, you've been playing against teams like, like, uh, like Grenbury was pretty good back then. Esther Hayes, was good. All those teams were in that league, right? Yeah. And then we, we ended up playing OCHAP in the final that year. Yeah. Um, and we, we beat him out. And I remember, oh man, we, um, so Les Ray was a long time tiger has a you know team of horses and wagon and stuff so so we have a parade around town and uh we're all in the wagon and stuff and everybody's cheering on we got the cup and everything and we got uh Les's <laughs> I love it unreal <laughs> yeah so Les's, te- Les's team of horses is tied to the stop sign out front of this house right and so we're in there and we're partying and all of a sudden the team of horses, you know, takes off, br- pulls over the stop sign, takes yeah, off. Yeah, that's like they're yeah. not stopping. Yeah. This stop sign. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> looking out the pitching window, all of a sudden, I think the young guy Kelsey Reed takes off down the stairs and just chucking down the street, you know, bare feet, jumps in the back of the wagon, brings the team of horses down. <laughs> it's kind of like the whole place goes crazy, like saves the day. Good old um, rider. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. The, yeah, the party went on for days. I remember we had a guy. Yeah, a guy took off naked on a skidoo across town and ended up at the golf course shack and then realized he was freezing. So stole some coveralls and rode the skidoo back, and it was just oh, it was it was mayhem. But it was it was just fun, like stuff like that. You know, happened every weekend, so it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's wild. So you talked like <clears throat> when you came back the senior, you wanted to you know, like you said, power play. You wanted to be the guy. Was there ever, did it ever get annoying guys asking you to fight? Yeah, there had to be. It, you, um, you know what? I, the thing for me is when I, when I came back to play, I made up my mind. I was just going to play. And if I fought, I fought. Like, I think a lot of guys come back from pro and they don't think they should get hit. They don't think anybody should go after them. They don't, you know, they just want to go out there and play. And I kind of came back with, I'm going to play. Let's play. You know, if you, you want to fight, we'll fight. If you want to play hockey, we'll play hockey. I just, that, that was my attitude going into it. I'm not showing up thinking I'm an untouchable or nobody should come after me. That's just the way it is. So, and I think that helped a bit because I went into the game ready for however you want to play. Yeah. So this, this year with Rokenville, what's, what's the, what's the team like? Is she looking like about the same for next year? What the? Yeah, I, I, I think it will be, you know, um, you know, we've been right there every year. Yeah. Um, and it, it's kind of cool for me, you know, the last couple of years, uh, my youngest boy Dakota's came back, yeah. uh, and he, and he's playing for us now. So that's, that's been pretty special. Um, you know, actually we, we were short a couple games, so I yeah. put on the equipment and I got, yeah. uh, playing, a, playing a line with, uh, with my boy. So that was, it's that good. was really cool. You know what I mean? Wow. You go from coaching him as a, a six year old or whatever to all of a sudden you're, 
you're playing a game with them as a man, right? And then you're having a beer after the game and talking about a shift or whatever. And uh, you're the one that can't keep up to him now, right? So yeah. that, that part of it's been cool. And I think just the guys that we've had there for so long, and I know it's kind of funny talking about it in senior hockey, but we really have like a, a culture in Rokenville where guys have started it right from back when I first started playing. So, so guys come in and nobody cares about points. Nobody cares about self goals. It, it's about winning and playing for the team and having fun. And the guys that we brought in have all kind of bought into that. And we've got guys that have been with us, in, you know, for, for years, you know, like we had one of the best senior hockey lines in Saskatchewan, the Rigo Howie, you know, and Nico Gross were one of the best lines in the province when we won their provincials. And then you threw in guys like, you know, Buddy Smith and Devin LeBlanc and uh, Roberto on defense. And just, we've got guys, you know, that are, while those guys are still playing with us. And so anybody that comes in, that culture, whatever, just kind of goes forward. And it's just fun to be a part of. Like I, show up every Wednesday night and we put the guys who are practice and guys show up and they want to practice. They want to work hard and we get a good turnout. And, you know, we go through a 45 minute high tempo practice, puck movement, moving your feet, little bag skate at the end. And, you know, that's kind of the, what, what we do. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what we're trying to get. We're trying to instill in my deal is just, we, we want to have, like, we want guys that want to be there. And, you know, we might not, not always have the skill, but we've got to instill that culture. And it's just guys want to play there because they enjoy playing there. And they might get offers from other teams, but it's just, no, I want to be with these guys in my deal because they're my friends and I I am loyal to them. And I, I like what they have going there. That's something that we are trying to get. That's what we're working towards, something that, that you're saying about Rokenville, the culture. We kind of started a rebuild, I'd say, what, three years ago kind of thing? So it's, wow. like, well, when did everybody yeah. kind of quit? Like, Well, that's when I started. I was the young guy coming into a dynasty, right? Yeah. Kind of, they were the same guys that played for seven, eight years, the same core, and they all kind of packed it in at the same time. And so when they left, you know, they went, went to the final seven out of eight years, won three yeah. titles. and few deep provincial runs and after they everybody left the management quit coaches quit it was kind of just a few people yeah. left to pick up the pieces and we're just starting to we're, get we're, we're, we're back get, together we're here the last couple of years now. i think next year yeah. will be a good year yeah. But, yeah. and that's that's the hardest thing about senior hockey is you have to work those young guys in yeah so that not everybody quits at once yeah well that you know was, i mean there there's there's teams in this league where that happened too where you know, we had, there was 10, 11 guys that wanted to play power play. They wanted to fill a penalty kill. They want to give up any ice time to anybody else. So the young kids that came, you know, didn't get to play. So they kind of got pushed off to the side. They get frustrated and quit. And yeah. then all of a sudden, all those, all those old guys decide they're going to shut her down and there's nobody to pick it up. Those young guys get to play on those fucking three-hour road trip games when fucking yeah. Jeff Rogers and eight other guys show up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you mentioned playing your first senior game when you were 15 and coming back when you were 33. Was there anybody that you played with at 15 years old still grinding it out when you came back? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. it, it was kind of funny because uh, – 
Yeah, I remember I was, I got, I played on a line with my two uncles uh, for the Bio Hilltops against the uh, Stockholm Huskies. Uh, I played about two or three games that year uh, as a 15 as a year old. And that was, that was a dream. Like when you're a kid, yeah. the dream was to play for the Spio Hilltops. If I do that, Man, I I made it. You know yeah. what I mean. So yeah, yeah. That's how I, those guys. So are... I kind of still had that thing with senior hockey. So even when I came back, I still always felt that way about senior hockey. That it's what you did and something you wanted to do. Yeah, that oh, was... yeah like a lot of us grew up in small towns. Like with those with those senior teams, it was like you went to watch those games on a Wednesday night when you're ten years old. That was that was what you did when you're ten years old in Carlisle. Or, my like that was that's those, those are your heroes yeah those guys were your heroes like that was your nhl like yeah. you were yeah you were paying two three hundred dollars to travel five hours for an nhl game you're paying seven bucks seven bucks to go down and give them <laughs> yeah. staps yeah and then you, your buddies yeah. <laughs> you get a slush puppy yeah. yeah and then you see him in the local co-op and you just starstruck yeah <laughs> yeah literally <laughs> oh what about uh like i know like we were talking how you're saying in the nhl you know you probably played Ooh. in the best era like what about senior wise see that yeah, sorry hyman yeah. just we're just got the oilers game on here hyman just scored a goal with his jaw so that's a took yeah. a bouchard one what it, what it what is the score five two for the oil so oh. four eleven left in the second that's yeah, I guess uh, you're probably you're not cheering for the others. <laughs> 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 but yeah, okay. shot off the jaw into the net. Yikes! But no, I was just saying, I was just gonna ask, like you know what you're saying, like NHL wise, when you're saying you probably played in the best era, which I would agree with. Um, what about senior wise? Like, what, I guess uh, you've been in there what 10, 11 years playing. Um, what was it like? I guess when you started after the show compared to now would you say it's better or would or the same or is, has, has the game adapted senior wise or is it um you know what i think the game is better now yeah i, I really do like it um i think you know obviously it was more just hometown guys before um and now i think there's more guys you know coming in as, as imports or whatever to come in and Make your team better. I think, like, you look at the teams that have success, their top probably five, six guys have all got a minimum junior A experience, yeah. you know, which wasn't there when I first came back. You might have had one or two guys, but that was it. So I definitely think the senior hockey is is better now than when I first started playing. Sure. It's nice to hear a guy who played good hockey advocate for senior hockey in Saskatchewan because – a lot of people don't know how good the hockey is here. And then they kind of just shit on, or you're still playing hockey when you're 32 years old. It's like, no, it's pretty good hockey, man. Like there's a lot of good players out there. Yeah. A lot of people don't understand how competitive it actually is still. But Yeah. I know he was good. Like I, I went, uh, you know, we got our, our league, obviously provincials. <clears throat> and then I, you know, I, I seen watch that uh, <clears throat> red versus Keniston game. Um, in Redvers, their provincial game. I, mean, I tell you what, you know, for all the the team that Redvers has, <clears throat> and all those guys are basically homegrown. Yeah. But you know, Keniston, the team they had too, man, that that was that was something to watch. Yeah, that was that was good hockey. Yeah, that's one thing about Redvers that I got like we got to 
you got to tip the cap, man. All those guys are from. Yeah, they're. Well, I mean, they got a few guys coming from out of town, but Most you know, there's seven, eight guys there that all played like Tisdale, high level, like, like pro guys, guys dumb guys, yeah. junior A guys that are all from there. Yeah. So. Yeah, that Kennison team, uh, Langeberg laid boots to them, and uh, thought Langeberg was going to take it away, but no, sir. <laughs> yeah. Somebody somebody took Langeberg's main weapon on a fishing trip. <laughs> no, he took me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he took me. <laughs> uh, speaking of provincials, uh, I heard a little story. I don't know if you, it's still a touchy subject or not. Uh, you want to touch on your experience playing the – your family down there in Oxbow and Provincials or what? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. That, that was something. It was just, <laughs> it, it just, it escalated in a hurry that game for, uh, yeah. like right off the start. And then, yeah, we ended up, uh, there was fights all over the place and I'm getting kicked out and, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, they wouldn't really get into it. They wanted, they said to ask you. So I don't know. I just heard there was a line brawl and somebody jumped somebody. And, uh, oh yeah. No, I ended up like bleeding in a black eye and it was like, holy, yeah, it was, uh, it, it was good. Our, uh, both teams are a little haywire, right? Uh, yeah. Like we were a little haywire, and so were the Oxbow at the time. And it just kind of, it just got a little out of hand. But nobody got hurt too bad, so it wasn't. <laughs> and that's all I'm gonna say about that. Yeah. Said, well, I don't think it was too bad, but correct me if I'm wrong. But I think a few weeks ago, I seen you in an Oxbow Huskies jersey in Minot. Well, that's yes, that's right. <laughs> yes, he did. Did you see Talon puking all over the ice? Did you hear the story about there? the goalie puking on the ice? I did not. Oh, okay. oh you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I seen you there, and you looked like you were working a lot harder than what I was. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it, that was, you know what, that was pretty cool. We went there with a team that was, you know, mostly all family and related um, and went there for the weekend, have some fun. And now, you know, that we went there, oh, she was nine years ago, 10 years ago. And, uh, you know, we took a break and we went back and now some of the younger guys there, they got their own kids and everything. So it was, it was a fun weekend. We had a lot of fun. I, one thing I did realize that I cannot stay out till three 30 in the morning and still do, do anything at nine in a game. So I just, those days are gone. Were the, like all the little ones there too? Like those, the whole families come down or was it just the, Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like no, I know, a, and I'm pretty good friends with yeah. the Brooks crew and every time they're around, my God, you need a bus to carry all the kids around. Well, so. I'm trying to remember, cause I remember <laughs> seeing Bryson at a, at a bar somewhere. So I'm trying to remember if you were there too, but it's all kind of a blur. <laughs> yeah. I, I was out with those guys on Friday night. I, I took a rain check Saturday night being the old man. I just, yeah, the, the, those younger guys, they went two nights back to back. I figured one night was good. I better get some sleep. <laughs> and they stuck you in an Oxbow Husky jersey. Eh? Wow. <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, the night, the Saturday night we went out, he would have been a guy I wanted in my corner when those fucking bikers came up to us and told us, finish your drinks and get the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. Um, one more I got, I guess, before we let you go. Um, the Sask East Hockey League, what what do they got? What's their rules on elite hockey players? The big six is really struggling with it. So, yeah, so right now we're wide open. Uh, there's no no li- limit on any on anything. Um, we talked, we touched on it a little bit um, at our spring meeting. 
So we'll touch on it a little bit more for fall, but but right now we're wide open and it's worked out not bad. I think the big risk is if it turns into a situation kind of like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the senior team that had in boys of there the last few years. No. Anyways, they, yeah, they had a, they were, they were beating teams like 16 to one and 17 to one. And just, this was, so uh, I think devil style is what we call it from the big six. They did that in the early two thousands and they loaded up to go triple a and they got kicked out of the league. So big, payroll. yeah, yeah. Big, big payroll. And yeah. Yeah, so I think that's the biggest thing. Like, if if you're lucky enough to have you know some local guys that are good hockey players and stuff, but I think you you don't want it in a situation where all of a sudden a team falls into like a hundred thousand dollars, and all of a sudden they say, okay, let's just make one year run at it, right? Let's just we're gonna go for league, go provincials, and just win it all and bring in bring in all these guys. We want to keep it you, you know competitive and a little fair to a point. You're always going to have some teams that are better than others, but we don't want it to get out of hand. Well, I think the difference for the Sask East and the Big Six <clears throat> would be um, travel, right? You're you guys are probably not pulling where we're we're all down here. We're all pulling from like the same area. You know what I mean? Like it's not the same area, but it's no, no, a yeah. lot relative, a lot closer. You know, yeah. teams are a lot closer. We're driving. 20 minutes, you know, 15 minutes there's, to the hockey rinks. There's sort of. half a dozen teams where half the rosters are just Weber and Estevan guys. Our, and yeah. so, yeah. Our furthest drive used to be like Redverse, right? We're now it's Mooseman, which is still only two hours, change. two and a little bit. But yeah. Our furthest before that was like an hour and a half. But yeah. for a lot of teams, like we're on the far west end. Yeah, right. we're Carlisle yeah. Central. Carlisle, right? they don't have to go any farther than that. I guess yellow guys. That's it. So I guess that would maybe be the big reason as to why maybe being wide open works a lot better for your league than I think it would for us. I'm not opposed to it being wide open, but I I just think with these teams that are traveling a lot more, it makes sense to be wide open because you know, you know what I mean? Like guys aren't gonna want to drive fucking three hours one way to go to practice, right? But which they no, no, it (laughs) but yeah, no, I wanted to but I I think but I think that, you know, I know they have the, what do they call it? The, the elite status, right? In the big six. Yeah. Elite yeah. Status, yeah. And then if you've, if you've been there three years, then yeah. you're not considered elite. Is that right? Yeah. Well, we changed, we just, we changed it now. It got voted on and uh, I went to the spring meeting there. We got a, we got a, we got a whole bunch of voting to do again. We, we made a bunch of changes, but now it's three years. Um, one team, you become just a local. And then be- yeah. before, before it was, you became exempt where you, you were only allowed three elites and three exempt players on your roster at all times. Yeah. But right now, as of the vote, it's three elite and unlimited local. So we got rid of the exempt rule, but we're trying to, yeah. we're trying to, we're basically trying to alter what, uh, considers you elite. Where right now it's only thirty five games last year higher. So we're just trying to change. Well, you, you, that. Need, you just get arguments about guys like, oh, he's not elite because he played fourth line on the, the yeah. SJ. Like, where you you get where I see where some guys are talking right. You get some guy that's been out of hockey or he played you know one year SJ at eighteen and then never played a lick of hockey again and now he's an elite player at twenty six years old trying to play senior and he's getting cut on teams because he's not actually an elite player, right? That's where we're kind of in trouble. 
See, I think with that, one of the things that we talked about with that is that if you have a, like, whether it's six or seven years after you played your last either junior game or pro game, then you're not considered that anymore. You know what I mean? Because there's a few guys that are still at 30 good, but for the most part, the guys are at a junior six or seven years. Most of them aren't elite anymore, right? Yeah, and that's what me. They got a barrel cooking, and you know they got a little wife cooks a little too good. Well, that's what that's what me and there's a couple other younger managers in the league now too, and that's what me and them are trying to push. But there's some old boys that are just as soon as you talk, they think you're just trying to fuck them. <laughs> it's like you yeah. know, just sat in their ways. But but I think you're limiting guys too, and then all of a sudden yeah. you're taking taking away guy's ability to play because now he's got to come in as either elite or an exception and he's not really he's just no he's yeah just an average you know what i mean so i agree with that we we gotta because i know here we're having a problem because there isn't a lot of kids coming out of midget hockey that want to play senior hockey yeah they all want to play rec here it just yeah and that's the way it is here they're going to university and they you know, they're not going to drive home every weekend to play or it's not playing senior what it used to. So we need to find a way to keep as many of these older guys playing as long as we can so we can find a way to keep it going. Because if we start limiting those guys, we're going to run out of guys in a hurry. Yeah. Well, that's, Mydale's got four. There's four guys in high school that play hockey in Mydale school. And yeah. <laughs> I've already been on their case. It's like, I'm 31. Like, in three years, you get you know we we only got a few locals. We got to get you guys yeah. roped in here. And, uh, yeah. already- See, I, I watched Mydale. I watched Mydale's Bantam team play there about three or four years ago. That'd have been the last. You know, they, never even heard of them. Yeah, they haven't had a Bantam team since. Yeah, yeah, and because they they played provincials, I watched them play provincials. Right, and you know they had a decent team that had a couple kids that could play there, so. Somehow, you know, we got to find oh, a way to keep these guys going so they can play senior. Well, and that team would have been a like they would have worn Mydale and played out of Mydale, but it's Mydale, Torquay, okay. Fillmore. You know, it's five towns combined to make that team, right? But yeah, yeah. Uh, another thing that was discussed at our meeting was uh, the president wanted to bring in a mediator from another uh, league for problems. Maybe, maybe. Uh, Maybe I'll throw your name out at the meeting there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what, what are you talking about? Yeah, Roger seems like he knows his shit. Busy. <laughs> you know, you know, you know what we would like though. Yeah. Is we we've talked about it actually, like with the big six or whatever. Is having a couple games interleague? during the year. Yes, interleague. They would go towards the standings. Like so, all of a sudden, the Rokenville Tigers play against Mydale. You know. Uh, yeah. Theodore plays against, you know, yeah. Carlisle, whatever. Just the, like Radville. You know what I mean? Yeah. Radville's joining the Nauticue this year. And we were just talking the other day about how that's only like a 40 minute drive for us, but we're never going to play them. But yeah, that, that'd be prime time. What are you talking about? He's jumping in with Tommy and he's coming on down the play at the stank next year. <laughs> Tommy drives right by. Dakota <laughs> can drive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but then you, you, almost, you almost need a guy from each league to go to a meeting. It's like it's a whole thing, but it's a it's a good idea. I'd like it to come to fruition. 
It's definitely yeah, something that could happen. It's Either way, it right. sounds like we got to go right past the Chino at White Bear, boys. I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah. You don't go on the, way, on the way back. Oh, no. Both ways. I don't care. Leave at noon. Well, yeah, I'm glad I got your touch on that elite rule because, yeah, I wanted to get your perspective on that. But I think we I think Yeah, I think we, we just need to. Yeah, we need to find a way to keep these guys playing and not have them limited. And whether if you know what, if, and if you played junior pro and you if you play pro to your you know thirty, and then you start playing senior, yeah, you're you're going to be. I know our league has uh, once you turn thirty five, you're yeah, that's a total free agent. But I think it, I think it should be if it's like seven years after you played pro or seven years after you played your last junior game and. You know, you have to play a minimum yeah. of like a minimum of what you guys said is like 40 games as a player or 50 games as a player to be, to be considered elite. 56 games in the SJ is one full season. So that's what I'm pushing for is at least 56 games. Yeah. Like, you know, and then yeah. if not more, like I'd be fine with more. But I just think what we're classifying elite is just not right. Like it's just it's that's not an elite player, really. But yeah, <laughs> I mean. I mean, I'm not shitting on these guys, but like, <laughs> you know, like it's just not fair, really, to some of them that are getting. Well, it just it just it opens up more guys available to come play. Yeah, yeah. That which is what we need. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, one thing, Jeff. This is. I mean, we've hammered this around seven hundred times on here, but like back to the pain guys argument. It we found a cut like trying to recruit a couple guys cut that are some of the better junior B players from the region and you phone them before the season and they're getting offers like, like to get paid to go play places because they're like, they fall under the non elite rule. Right. But they're a stud in junior B. They're a junior B and they probably could have played third line junior A in the right situation, whatever. And they're going to, you know, they're going to come in and be a good senior player. And it's almost like a secondary market. Oh, yeah, you know, which is some, I don't think they expected that when they put the rule in. Just the lack market. Yeah, yeah. Really it's like, well, I mean, it's like <laughs> the guy comes out to escape. It's like, yeah, you're like you're a solid player, but like you're gonna be like middle of the roster, dude. Like, I mean, what do you expect from this year? But yeah, and I think it is it is an eye opener too for some of the guys coming out of junior, um, just how good a hockey it is. Yeah, yeah, it's getting better. Yeah. No, I think yeah. Yeah, it's, it's good hockey, man. Did you see that video of the Balcares Bronx guys riding on the Zamboni after there? I, I did. <laughs> what did you think about that? <laughs> I I thought it was awesome. I oh, yeah. think, and then uh, in Theodore, when the trainer came off the top rope and went on the <laughs> on the table there in the dressing room, and yeah, <laughs> that's that's awesome. all good stuff. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. Awesome. How was that barn in Theodore with the with the buffalo head above the bench? Oh yeah, you got the smoke and the fire coming out of the nostrils really? and everything. Oh yeah. No, I've never seen yeah, that. I've yeah. never been there. I just like, seen it online. We just yeah. got a Kendall that vapes on the bench. We're that good. Awesome. <laughs> no, we played a couple games in midget in Theodore against Yorkton for whatever reason. And there was the home bench had a buffalo head above the above the bench. I was like, what the hell's going on? And like, yeah, I guess the senior team when they and they put one in the net and it fucking smokes and <laughs> really fucking lights up and shit. Like, all right. That's awesome. Senior uh, hockey for you, I guess. What's okay, oh one more, sorry. What uh Rokenville rink? What's what's your guys' room like in the in Rokenville there? 
you know, um, we talked about putting an addition on and like building kind of a, a bar and our, our having our own dressing room. Yeah. Um, but never kind of came around. So basically we're just a, just a standard dressing room and we got a little room off to the side where we can keep our, our sticks and stuff, but nothing special, but it's, it's, it's a decent room, good size. And, but we don't, uh, we definitely don't have our own room or anything like that. You guys oh, got to really? take their equipment home and stuff. Yeah. Well, I'll for tell sure. you what, yeah. Jeff, come play in my deal. You can leave your equipment in the room now. Beer fridge I'm much better at the beer drinking than playing now. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> You'll fit right in. So I figured that in Rosenville, you can drink in the room. You said in San Jose, in the no drinking in the room. Rokenville drinking in the room? So Rokenville is more fun than San Jose. Well, I mean... <laughs> Talent, I don't think the rake board appreciates though that. But, uh, yeah, for the rake board, I'm loud listener. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess before. Yeah, we, we're we're allowed to have a couple. Yeah. <laughs> I guess before we let them go, boys, is there any buddy, buddy, and buddy stories that you can share from any time playing hockey? Yeah, one last, one last one. I don't know. Put you on the spot. <laughs> also, how's your slope? What are you looking for? Any, any stories that you can't name the guys, but you can just call them buddy. The old buddy, buddy, and buddy. Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'm trying to think of the... After Arcus under the bus. Yeah. Oh. No, I think I'll leave them all good. <laughs> Fair enough. They're that good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jeff. We'll somehow be- I'll end up incriminating myself in this thing. So I just gotta- <laughs> oh, Dustin was all about yeah, that. Yeah, I've done that multiple times. So I've, learned, I've learned now. That's yeah. the radio experience from yeah. uh, Atlanta 680. Yeah. <laughs> Atlanta 680. Yeah, the, the one listener was uh, yeah, calling him <laughs> All right, Jeff. Well, we really appreciate you coming on, especially after all the fucking around it took to get you on here and with on our half, not you. but um, yeah, He's got Starlink. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, we appreciate you coming on, man. And, uh, it was good. It was good little bullshit. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, well, let's get no, a, I enjoy. It. Thanks for having me, guys. Get an exhibition game going. Stangs, uh, Rokenville. Yes. How many exhibition games are we going to have? We're, we're playing Craig. Craig. We're going to be the only senior team <laughs> in the province that runs independent. Like, fuck the big six. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the Chicago Wolves of the big six of the senior. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, June seventeenth for golf and uh, main prize there. Jeff is a little plug if you if Rokenville wants to bring a team out. <laughs> All right, <laughs> sounds good. All right, Jeff, some info. Thanks a lot, man. All right, All right guys. Okay, Take care. That was well. That's what I was thinking. Like, we were pretty long like with him. Is it still going? Yeah, yeah I just let it. I thought I clicked something. Don't click. What are we at here? An hour? An hour? Hour and a half. That was that was a really good interview, guys. I I, I don't know. Not, yeah, we, not skilled wise on our part, but I mean, like it was lengthy. We had a cut. We had a couple alphabet soup sandwiches there as we were trying to talk, but you know, yeah. we made her through. Well, I'm not gonna lie. I was a little nervous, man. This guy played the show. You're full. You got a full chest going, going on. on and on and on about something, oh. and it's like. Come on. I know, man. Oh, I'm trying to read my fucking notes here. And they're just fucking chicken scratch. I mean, I didn't make notes here. Well, I was like, calling someone's got to do fucking homework yeah. here. Got to have but stuff to bring up. I texted a buddy. I got, a, I got the, the scrap thing. I think the whole that was really good of a man to stay on that long. Yeah. It's just like, 
your stories from, uh, I was hoping you would tell some stories about him drinking beers in the room, but I guess we're not allowed to drink beers in the room. <laughs> there was none of that. He goes, this was a professional league. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I heard stories. There was a six pack waiting in the stalls of everyone. Hal Gill. Right? Yeah. Like you've heard that too. Like there was six packs. But yeah, but they were yeah. they were a new team, San Jose. They were probably like, hey, like budget, no, yeah, not going, not doing that. Yeah, right. the budget. We'll get you lucky logger. Shout out knees. <laughs> knees doesn't like it when I uh, co op lights. Knees doesn't like it when I hey, hear on lucky logger. Bailey's here. She's I swear. Here. <laughs> so hey, Wayburn's getting a co op liquor store, so we might be able to get the old co op <sighs> lights real close. We need to get a sponsorship. Helmet stickers. Something like that. It's where the, the deli was. The deli. Yeah, so we're in the Wayman Co-op there. We had that deli. Right At the grocery side. store? Yeah, they're building it right in the grocery store. One-stop shop. Fucking Just for all the old people that shop at the grocery store there? I shop there. You shop at the Co-op grocery store? The best meat in town. Really? Go and get yourself some fresh burger patties and a case of beer all in one stop. Pretty sure the best meat in town comes from south of the highway. But well, that's Western Pride. Uh, yeah, when they're open. Well, hey, shout out Buddy and his wife starting a new company in Mydale. I don't even know what it's called yet. So I should... Oh, yeah, Big Bob's Meats opening in Mydale next month. Where is it going? Where is it going? Uh, no, it's uh, behind the post office. The street? But The street. Yeah, they'll be selling was, local beef. He was talking about doing a parade. Hopefully. We, we didn't so, do a parade. We, there's one paved street yeah. in Mydale. But you know what? That's one. That's one. Full How tank. many paved streets are there in these other places? There's more than one in my. But anyway, why do we need to have a paved street for a parade, especially if it's behind a horse and uh, a team of horses? We we probably got one of the old Coleman lawnmowers, man. It's probably all we get. What? My neighbors got a team of horses. We could get them to haul us around. How about that story? That's unreal. That was not. Oh, good story. Hauling the trophy around. But again, like, thanks to him for jumping on after our internet shit the bed. Yeah, and then, so our internet shit the bed the one week, and then the last week, it was just, like, blizzarding roads were shit, and we we like to do it in person with each other. Like, yeah, yeah, have to do, at least us in person. We, we, we might, might have made it out here, but, like, we were bunking with Bailey and Dusty for a couple days. Yeah. Well, oh, it was, yeah. like, the it roads were just wet, you know? It was kind of, like, if it got cold, they were going to be icy as fuck. It was it was weird snow, right? Like, yeah. it was, like, two degrees outside, and it was... Oh, raining. it was like the sky was puke, you know? It was raining it was like, snow. It was weird. Yeah. Do you guys want to touch at all on the Leafs game last night? I didn't get to watch, but uh, oh, no. I was a little you jealous when I saw Bailey Snapchats of Dustin. Oh, man. Do we come back? Oh, do we want to, like, touch insane. on it after this round here and not yeah, yeah, poke was, that yeah, bear? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, I was okay. just going to leave it. That's why I said we should get together... <laughs> get together on Thursday. Yeah, we could do that one. We can watch the game here if you guys want. Via Zoom. Yeah, it's, Zoom. it's nice when you don't have to drive, eh? Well, yeah, true, 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 true. <laughs> Shoot, we'll come to Wayburn. Yeah, whatever. Man. No, at my uh, my folks' place. Yeah, buy a house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Logie's well, got. Well, you're moving in with your buddy, so we I, I live with Yeski. Oh, so right, right. Not much of a drive for you here, then. Yeah, hey? yeah let's stop. We just gotta go over the water. Did you guys? Uh, Chaddy, I'll be honest, I, I, I thought it was over after the second two. I didn't watch the comeback. Well, like I said, like I, I, watched it. I went to get some food, and my dad told me it was going overtime, and I hung the phone up basically on him to call me when it's done. 
I don't so want to know. Fucking you didn't watch overtime either. No, I just sat there and didn't. Move I made shit. Bailey sit in the same spot she sat in in the last game they won, and I sat in the same spot I what sat in. And oh. then I turned the lights on in my living room at the same time I turned the lights on, and that's when they came back. Fuck, are you superstitious? I'm so superstitious. Yeah, see, it's not was, even funny how superstitious see, we can't I can't watch am. the game with you because. No, yeah, you guys can't come over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last time you guys came over, they lost. Yeah, Talon had a fake gun. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't my fault. Yeah, the X. I everybody's like at work today was like, "Oh, at least one last night. How, how are you doing?" And I'm like, "It's good, man, but like, I don't trust them." <laughs> like, <laughs> like everybody's yeah. pumped up, and we're like, "Yeah, yeah but no, no. guess what? Yeah, everyone who's not a Leafs fan is like, oh, you gotta be feeling pretty good.' And it's like, well, there's actually an extra day in between now, so I'm pretty anxious." Yeah, they should be playing. Double eggs. What's up with that? Just they just want to have a game Saturday if it goes to six. Oh, I'm sure that's what it is. Yeah, that's fucking dumb. Though. The the mecca of hockey, right? Yeah. Like, well, I mean, it's a lot better than having a game. Like business sense wise, yeah. they have a game six on a on a Friday, game seven on a Sunday. I mean, it, it would be fine. Everyone would still tune in, but I'm not. Sh- it's not like it in Canada. Yeah, I haven't looked into the Leafs situation, but I know that like the Oilers play tonight and they don't play again until Saturday because. Staples Center has a Clippers game and a Lakers game Thursday and Friday. Are the Raptors still playing? No. No. Are the Rock but the Toronto Rocks still playing? <laughs> they playing over there? I don't know. Maybe they playing some Mario Coliseum. That's what I would put them in, but Yeah, here I was all getting fired up about Hyman scoring and he's a right, he's a Kings guy. There's a kid working there. Yeah, that was that's using what's the Hey I got a point off that one. You remember when that. it was like Jay and Dan and they was that's using your face. <laughs> Jay and that was like oh it just rattles me that they brought those guys back and didn't put them back in the same role. It just rattles me that they got rid of one. Right. I mean like he might have been like Don't mentally be. ill. But uh do you remember that? What? When like uh it was Dan O'Toole and he was on Instagram and he's like, my, uh, my wife or my, my ex-wife stole my kid and I can't find my kid. It was on Instagram. It was like no, a post on Instagram. Really it was right before Bell let him go. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Did you, did you guys do anything for, uh, grinds my gears? Oh, I got one, but it's kind of long and it. It's cowy, so I didn't know if you guys would enjoy it. <laughs> I think we got some cow listeners. There's probably some out in Rokenville there in Spy Hill area if they're still He's tuned just, in. They probably tuned. They probably tuned out as soon as Jeff said goodbye. But, my favorite, my my, I, I told you guys I got that text from my buddy, and he's like, "Fuck, I hate it when my my buddy tells my other buddy I don't like his cows." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't I remember that. Except I wasn't like, buddies with either of those guys. No, Do we, what was it though? It was like I, I He was shit talking other guys. Everybody. <laughs> but like, it wasn't just like one other guy, because like who hasn't shit talked one other person in their life? No, but it was, it was just like every single person who'd ever owned cats. But like what was the text like, that I that I told? That was the funny Yeah, was yeah. Funny. Like, I hate it when my when, when a guy doesn't like a guy I sell my cows to. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, we don't want to touch on the Leaf game, but do we want to touch on Kyle Dubas getting into it with the fans? I loved it. I thought I, it was I love it. Yeah. I, I, I wish you could hear it. Like, 
can't really hear what you, I, I heard it, there's a like, couple f bombs in there. You're a fucking hero, bud. You're a hero. Yeah, you can hear that part, but you can't hear what they're saying. It'd be interesting like, to know like how oh, much sure. shit did he put up with all, all game. game? Yeah. To finally like, he's usually a pretty calm, cool, collected. Other than that Amazon series, he kind of let his emotions out. But you, you said besides Spezza. Like, what's Spezza thinking as Kyle Dukes is standing up motherfucking people? Yeah. All, I know is Spezza, all I know is Spezza has to wear a fucking protective thing on his arm because every time every time the Leafs score, Dubas is like... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then now Spezza's got to wear a fucking brace on his arm. He's got his shoulders back on. I can't even say anything, man. I was selling him after game... Uh, what was the last one? Game four? Before, yeah. yeah, after game three when they won, I fucking sell you. Everybody's just like, yeah, it's like did the old like fist pumps into your hips, and like fucking Bailey was sitting right beside me, and I accidentally hit her like in the knee, my <laughs> elbow. She was like, That's like an hour later, like look at the bruise I have. <laughs> like, she's like trying to take a picture of it. I'm like, Jesus. Was I the only? <laughs> like, sorry, I didn't mean. Was that. I the only one there after Riley scored in overtime that sat there for a minute and went, okay. Wait, yeah, where, I thought, where's the, the high review? stick? I thought where's for sure it looked like they were reviewing like, it. Well, I sat there. They did like, review for a high stick, but it was like it, it wasn't even close. No, and like everybody's leaving the ice. I'm sitting. I'm like, oh yeah, oh, okay. Like we actually won. Okay, like yeah. we're good. Yeah. Oh, is anybody else sick of the review bullshit? Yeah. Like, there's been two OT winners in the playoffs where they couldn't celebrate because they'd review them. No. Like that's such junk. Uh, I'm going to plug our golf tournament quick. Um, Saturday, June 17th, main prize golf course. Um, it's a four-man best ball. Um, yeah, best ball. Shotgun start at noon by the sounds of it. Um, if anybody out there knows anybody that would be willing to donate maybe some door prizes, we're looking for a few more hole sponsors. Uh, yeah, should be a good time. It's a fundraiser for the team, so come on out. Supper's included in the fee, and uh, we're gonna do awards that night. It's the first time in a few years we've done awards, so I gotta go grab the awards from the rink and go put some names on them. But yeah, come on out. Um, be a silent auction. There's a couple signed jerseys we got lined up, I think, already, and some other nice. shit, but not Mustang jerseys, like <laughs> <laughs> these these guys play good hockey. Yeah, NHL yeah. jerseys. No, we need to we need to keep the Mustang jerseys. Yeah, we yeah, yeah. Wear them. <laughs> yeah. I still got that old. I got Craig's old jersey in my bag. I can get him to sign it. We can auction her off. <laughs> yeah. Is it a is it the horse with the flame? No, it's the red one with the M on it. Oh, those are nice too. Yeah. <laughs> with the cream. With the cream stripes. Yeah, yeah, the cream logo. Talon, you didn't bring any grinds by gears. Uh, fuck, I don't have any prepared, but, like, you know, usually things grind my gears. Like what? Fuck, I don't know, my nosebleeds out of nowhere. You got a nosebleed out of nowhere? Yeah. Hey, you want to hear my grinds my gears? Yeah. I'm going to try shorten it up. And everybody think of one while he's... So, Jesus. The, uh... This happened, so what happened? I got a vet bill in the mail today. And it is just absurd. (laughs) And what happened was, is a few weeks ago... I was waiting to go somewhere and I had this heifer calving and I, you know, just like tonight, it was like, oh, I better wait till this heifer calves. And she's not getting anywhere. So I reach in and it's like, oh, she's got the smallest pelvis I've ever seen in a, in a heifer. And it's like, okay, this is not going to be good. Right. So I already know I got a problem. So I'm working away at it, working away at it. And it's like, 
Okay, after like 35 minutes, I can't even get the calf's head up in the heifer's pelvis to get it out the back. Like, okay, this is this is a problem. And I always I was kind of proud of the fact that we ha- we haven't had a C-section at our place in 6 years. Yeah. Like so that's like 1800 or two th- basically 2000 births we had not had a C-section. Like I think that's pretty good. And I was proud of that until this cuz it's like I had to get going to this other function and dad, mom and dad came over and they were watching and I said, well, we're trying to phone a vet that can come do the C-section and the, the, well, basically our first, second and third choice and vets are all busy. Like can't come for like a few hours at least. And, okay. So we call this place in Estevan. It's the only one, but whatever. And, I phone him and I say, I want a C-section at this place. And it's like, we have 400 cows. I've calved out, like I said, lots of them. Like, what was the and I don't know. It's kind of like, so whatever. What I was take, wrong? Could, like the heifer was too small. Calf was too big. So whatever, they come out and I take off and my, dad's going to help this vet with the C-section. And she brought another person with them. And... Vets have a thing called a snare, and I don't have one on purpose because if you need to use it, it's probably best just to take the cap with the side. But anyways, after I leave, the vets decide that they don't want to do a C-section. They think they can get this calf out the back. And my dad doesn't put up enough of a fight, I guess. Needless to say, they tore the fuck out of this poor heifer, and they managed to snap the calf's femur. Hardest bone in the body. It's a good bet. So it can't even walk now? Oh, it couldn't. I had to shoot the fucker. And in the process, they must have, they must have tore something in the heifer because she died like three days later. And it's like, oh, awesome. No animals were harmed in the recording of this podcast. And what, (laughs) and you paid to basically lose. Well, I got the, and I don't know what, like I said, it's been six years since we had a C-section. I looked back, the last one was 750 bucks. This, they sent me the bill is over a thousand dollars for them to come out and kill two of my animals, hmm. and it's like I kind of want to go in there and raise hell a little bit. In America, they'd get sued. Could you sue them? Yeah, I was gonna say like, could you sue them? Well, no, I, like for two hundred fifty bucks. Like, <laughs> like holy, it just—it's not the money. It's the like, <laughs> You're just looking at the and the one. Like, you're looking down the lines on the bill, like everything's broken down, right? Yeah. And uh, I forget what the word is. They didn't is. even it's, try to hide it. No, but like they, they use the medical terms, right? Which, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say I know they all mean, but the one that basically like they had to cut the cow a little bit because they were, or probably a lot because they were tearing her to shit, trying to pull his calf out that should have never come out the back. Yeah. And... Um, so they had to cut her with a scalpel. And what scal- What type of scalpel do they use? They use a plastic one with a little razor on the end. Or maybe a steel one. But like, what's that thing worth? Like $4? Yeah. And they change the razor blades out. So what's a razor blade worth? 50 cents? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And it takes them. How long does it take you to do that? Like 15 seconds? They charged $115 for that incision. And it's like, I did the math. It's either... an hour or (laughs) it's 
10,000% markup on the scalpel blade. <laughs> $72,000. I'll be best. For that. And it was like, are you, I mean, it's $100. It's not going to break the rand. But it's like, who the fuck do you think you are? Yeah, we yeah. should all be vets and make $75,000 an hour. <laughs> it's, I would only it was have to a, work like I, so I don't hours. know. I haven't. I just <laughs> got this. One hour. I just got the mail this morning and that was in there. And so I haven't decided how I'm going to proceed yet, but I don't really want to pay the damn thing. And just never work again. (laughs) One 12 hour day a year. (laughs) Well, that's, I'm just mean like for the hundred dollars. Yeah. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. Okay. So if they throw out that 50 cent razor blade or whatever, I don't know. What's a, what's a little razor blade worth? I, I, let's say it's, 12 cents. Yeah. Well, I use 50. So yeah. <laughs> okay, 50 or, what, was it, or the 15 seconds it took her to make the incision. One of the two things. But was it Schick or Gillette? That's the fucking thing. Hey, man, what do welding rods cost? And what does it cost me to fucking fix a crack? Well, not much. But. Right. But I can't do that myself. Uh, well, any one of us. Actually. Any, any one of us could have made that fucking incision. And it held, they, they were probably half tearing her to fuck. Yeah, and they thought, we, you know what? She's tearing. We should probably just cut it. We couldn't have sent that bill as confidently as they could have. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it's, so this, yeah. So this grinds my fucking gears. Like That's overcharging. But not just like, I understand they have to make money. They keep a lot of stuff. Like, Imagine if that was a dog. Like, like, there's a reason been this place is the first fourth fucking call. Like, like there's three other places that I've got a, or two other places we have really good working relationships with. That you better be careful what you say next time you call. You might just not know. Watch well, them. at this point, <laughs> if I have to call them again, I'll just shoot the fucker because it's not yeah. worth it. Yeah, like shoot who? The cow. Okay, not just, just, if, that. just if I have just to make that clear. Again, yeah, what's the clarify point? that shit? Like. Watch them be avid listeners. Like they're they're one of the ones first to go. Well, I know. I don't think they're going to be sponsored. I'm sure. I know two. I know at least. I know two owner, two of the partners that own it. I know at least two people who work there. This would be a bad time to tell Logie about our new uh, sponsor, eh? (laughs) That's the (laughs) What's happening over there? You're leaking all over. Did Jeff Rogers fucking send you? Fucking fucking man! It's like I don't know what's coming out of my mouth. Talon's uh, he's having some trouble over there. We better call that vet. Need a tampon. I look at this shit. I don't understand. They weren't real good at sewing stuff up. They were more good at yeah. So we can take all Talon's teeth out and you know. I don't even understand. I don't don't even know what's going on. Did you find a garage, my gears, Chad? Mine and not just the Leaf series, but like how inconsistently is the. Or inconsistent is the fucking refing across the playoffs. It's wild. Yeah. I'll Some of the shit you've seen, like, oh, how my about, God. like, did you see Marcus Fleeman get kicked out today? For a clean yeah. hit? Yeah. Yeah. Or like, not, not the, no, 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 he got a penalty for a clean hit yesterday. Today he got called with the knee. Yeah. He right. Got but he didn't knee. even need the guy. Yeah. And no. it's five minute and a game. I'm just not a fan of them giving five minute power plays. Like, All the time. That's a game changer, man. Yeah. You, you could score 16 right. times. And then they don't, like, Okay, most of the stuff they call, at least it's like, okay, that I can see how that's a penalty. But then there's so much shit that they're letting go. And it's like, why? Like, oh, like why was that a penalty? Like, the like we're all Leaf fans. You know, the, the Patty Maroon hit the other day was pretty awful on Jake McCabe. 
But even on a non-leaf example, Thomas Nosek from the Bruins, who the hell did he elbow right in the face? Knocked Eric Stahl, the Panthers, something like that? Yeah. And, and, and Oh, yeah. No. No two minutes, nothing. No, don't worry about that one. It just elbowed him in the head. Guy who played you know, 1,400 games in the league. And that's where I'm really glad Like the Leafs have a guy like Luke Shen, like a guy that can police the... But the yeah. shit. Like, so Shen has been good, honestly. Like, he's got the best stats of any of the Leafs D men. Did you? I like, Brody's been good too. Brody's been awful, dude. Have you watched the games? He's uh, been there. This is the worst uh, hockey TJ Brody's played uh, since uh, he got to Toronto. Not around. Did, yeah. Did you guys? Know. He's there. He's been their second worst defenseman behind Justin Hall. <laughs> behind Justin Hall, who's been on the ice for twelve goals against in the playoffs. He screams their own goal. Four games. Did you guys see the lip? Lip reading breakdown of the little scrum between the bench between Janot yeah. Hagel and fucking you know somebody said oh you sh- you stink Shen you're gonna be out of the league before you know it fucking Shen looks at Janot and goes well at least my trade's worth its value yeah what, was who good. does Brandon Hagel think he is yeah exactly it's like he's in there just running and it's like dude you weren't on the teams that want so I don't know if it actually <laughs> happened so Hagel had his penalty shot and I I don't know if was this that is true. the worst. Penalty shot attempt at any level. Yeah. Outside of shout out Gimlet and Carnduff, you know, hope you're listening. <laughs> but other than that, that, that uh, oh. none of you guys were on the team when he did that. But so he lost the puck. I, I, <laughs> I really hope it happened, but somebody on Twitter said. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> but somebody on Twitter said after Hagel ripped it into Sammy's pad, I guess Shen yelled, I guess you're the fucking irrelevant one. Man, like it. Just I love that. If it's if that's true, like it was awful. Like Sam Sauce didn't even have to move. I, that's what I thought, but I also thought like even if She's like I don't know like where, where was that no supposed idea, to go though. in? Because that's like, what I mean. Even if you went down, it was it was still gonna hit him in the pad. Like yeah. I don't like where was the move to like he did it as soon as it was in the middle of the net. As soon as they gave him a penalty shot instead of a two minute penalty, I'm like perfect. Like he's not gonna score. Like like I didn't think he was gonna score. Yeah, like, I think Samsonov would have had to make more of an effort to allow that goal because he was just standing. He just there. shot it at him. Like he he, he didn't move. Yeah. But like I mean, whatever. Unless he thought he could go under the arm if he butterflied, but he didn't. But you're, yeah, you're you're hoping the guy goes down, but like I don't think it was high enough either. Yeah. What did he shoot from the top of the hash marks? It was a pretty pissed Yeah, he wasn't that close yeah. to the net. He just ripped it off the pad. You're not that guy, bud. You're yeah. not that guy. He was, uh, <laughs> yeah, that guy. He's, did I send you guys that, that, that picture of him and, like, the guy from Disney's Recess? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, he he does look that like that. The uh, teacher's pet, dude. Uh, yeah, that's the snitch. Yeah. Uh, Randall? Randall, yeah. is that it? Yeah. He is a snitch. And he's, yeah, that's, that's they look the same. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, just drink that. No, you just I mean, he was today. a, I guess he was traded for two first round picks, so maybe he thinks he's pretty cool, but. Yeah, they just trade everyone over there. All the picks they made. I mean, well, I mean, that's why they're what, YOLO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck. Well, yeah, I'm pretty well done, boys. I don't have much more. That was, that was, that was good. I'm really happy he stayed on as long as he did. He sent me his song, even. Jake going down to the honky tonk. I fucking love that song. Did going you ask down. him? Yeah, I, yeah, I messaged him and asked him. It's a great tune, man. We're not just gonna keep going until the game's over. Me and Brayden Gans. I wasn't planning on leaving until the game's over. <laughs> I, mean, I can sit and watch. I just I <laughs> feel like we're rambling on. 
I'll probably hang out too. Yeah, no, we can definitely watch. Yeah, this. but we're kings of shutting this thing off and then having a half hour decent bullshit chat ah, session <laughs> that would have been like solid material. Oh, everything we say needs to be aired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I can leave it in. I'm not. Eh. I don't know. I just want <laughs> you guys. I'm out of topics, man. I think we just shut her down before we start losing listeners. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, hey, whatever. It, they can turn it off and yeah. come back next week. Like, what's the, what's the if problem? You tune, if you tune in like, for like a second, we get that listen on. If you're listen. still here, thank you. <laughs> you are elite podcast listener. <laughs> and this podcast is for elite demo elites. Yeah, both of them. Thank you Hot for damn. tuning in. Adios. Adios.